This is the Kestrel Country Podcast, where we discuss the people, places, and events all around Kestrel Country. So, Nick Stute, thanks for coming in. Yeah, happy yeah. to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, of course. Talk a little bit about hunting. It's hunting season. Well, depending on what you're hunting and, and everything else. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, wanted to, I think it's, well, it's, it's always fun to talk about hunting, but particularly one, somebody from the Midwest. Are you from the Midwest? I should start. Yeah. I, yeah. I'm actually from Wisconsin. So okay. yep. yeah. Being from Michigan, you yep. know, it's like, I've got, um, I feel like there's always a little bit of a kindred spirit there. Yeah. Of Midwest whitetail hunters. Right. Yeah. Um, but now you're in Idaho, like I am, and doing the Western thing. So I thought it'd be fun to kind of talk through what that, maybe that change was like, mm -hmm. and a little bit of your background. Yeah. Um, so I always like to get started with, you know, where'd you grow up? Talk about Wisconsin. Um, yep. And uh, yeah, what was what was it like growing up in Wisconsin? Yeah, Wisconsin um, has a very rich, like, hunting heritage and culture. Um, and so actually... It, hunting very much is, is generational. Um, and I think it still is to do, to this day that way. And so I'll start there. My, um, in the early eighties, my grandfather bought with a couple of his teaching buddies, a hunting cabin with 40 acres in Northern Wisconsin. And so I can, before I could remember, I was introduced to this culture of hunting and, there's pictures of me at two or three years old behind big white tail bucks that were killed, um, in that camp. And <clears throat> I was fascinated by, you know, I, I didn't hunt until I was, I, I think my dad brought me maybe five or six. Uh, but before that, even I remember, um, waiting for the men to come back and see the success. And, and it just like enthralled me, like, uh, I went head over heels into it and my dad was a hunter and he did the kind of opening weekend, maybe three day weekend thing. It's like a holiday back there. Oh man. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. School shut down the schools for a week. Um, there's a nine day gun deer season in Wisconsin. And, um, you know, by the time I could hunt, I was like ready. Um, and I killed my first whitetail buck at 12 years old. And then I was already looking, um, at like realizing that you could bow hunt these things for almost four months. Mm. And so at 13, I bought a bow and my dad was not a bow hunter, but I kind of taught myself how to shoot. And, and I killed my first buck with a bow at 14. And like, I was, I was, uh, head over heels, uh, for, for the sport. And, That's awesome. um, you know, did a lot of stuff on my own and, being a bow hunter, it's just, um, you have so much more opportunity, uh, than that nine day deer season. And, um, you know, did a lot of hunting through high school and, and into college. And, and then my wife and I got married when, when we were pretty young and realized that I could actually get a substantial amount of meat, um, doing hunting. I think that's where it like clicked for me. And I became what I'll say is like a meat hunter. Um, yeah as a priority. Was that, is that different than like, so you, you're talking about it being generational and, and your grandpa buying this, this place and all that. Um, 
what it was is that was that a shift because of you getting older or was that a shift from the way your your family hunted or like did you eat a lot of deer growing up and a lot of venison and and that kind of thing not really no okay. i think i think that was a, a something that shifted for for my own journey um you know really prioritizing the meat and figuring that out i think um you know i had other older men kind of teach me how to process the deer and, and like really get into that whole process. And that's to this day is like a big part of what I, what I like in, enjoy doing. Yeah. I wonder if that's a, it's funny cause I had a little bit of a similar experience, not from not generationally. In fact, I was, I'm kind of the first one in my family to mm-hmm. get into hunting. My dad didn't, my grandpa, grandparents didn't. Um, but it, it seems like, the guys that I kind of learned to hunt from and that kind of thing um, in Michigan, it was much more of the like, you know, they would eat venison, of course, like they'd eat what they killed, but it was like, you get the deer, you drop it off at the processor. And, Mm. you know, it was Mm -hmm. like, there wasn't much of that DIY Mm -hmm. um, or getting into actually butchering the animals or anything else. And I don't know if that's just happened to be where I learned or or why, Mm -hmm. but like, did you grow up, was it rural Wisconsin or was were you, did you have to travel out, like travel north to get into hunt and that kind of thing? Yeah, I think um, I did, I did have to do some traveling to get to this hunting cabin, but like I got to the point where, you know, as I was a beginning bow hunting, I did it wherever I was. Um, and so we lived out in the country. And so I remember, you know, walking out from our house and going out into some public land and, um, trying to kill a deer yeah yeah. okay yeah that's that's somewhat similar it's funny i had the the friends i hunted with that kind of got me into it they had 40 acres up in the up Mm -hmm. in upper peninsula michigan with Mm -hmm. the cabin it was like that's kind of the thing right like that's what you do yeah by 40 acres up in up in the woods yeah was that were you uh or was your grandpa's place up um like northeast northwest northwest wisconsin yeah So the other side of the state, because we were where I went was pretty close to Superior, Wisconsin. So it was like way up in the UK. Oh yeah, wow. But yeah, we're probably Um, maybe an hour south of Superior. So okay, yeah, yeah, that's cool. Um, So you got into it in high school, started doing more bow hunting, um, Mm -hmm. and uh, what was the what was your success like once you got into bow hunting? Yeah, I think um, so. In Wisconsin you know, the, the tag, the license structure is pretty simple. Um, there's a, there's a, you can buy a rifle deer tag and a, and a, and a bow deer tag. So the bow hunting was a way for me to shoot two bucks a year. Um, and then Wisconsin, I, I kind of ended up living in a kind of suburban rural interface area where you could basically buy as many doe tags as you wanted. Hmm. So, um, I would get my reps with a bow, um, shooting does and putting those in the freezer and then, um, bow hunting to me, you know, what, what it became was like the pursuit for a, a mature buck. Um, and I would stack up the does along the way and then rifle season is just, let's get something in the freezer. It's nine days. You don't have a lot of time to be picky. Um, and so kind of the evolution for me was like getting, um, deer on the ground every year. Um, and it was forks and spikes and whatever I saw. Um, and then it kind of, the switch kind of flipped, um, when I killed like a, my first like nice buck 
like this is what it looks like to pass up um, something smaller and wait and be patient. Um, and fortunately, because I was so motivated by the meat, I was able to do that by shooting does with the bow. And, and I could, you know, pass up a lot of small bucks knowing that like I was, I was putting meat in the freezer. Um, and so it took a while for me to be consistently successful with a bow. Um, you know, I was always successful with a rifle. Um, but a bow, it took me probably five to six years to be like every year, put something on the ground. Um, so was that, um, um, no, I forgot where I was going to go with that. Um, was, uh, your, were you tree stand hunting pretty much exclusively with your bow? Yeah. And then rifle, were you, was that tree stand or like ground blind? Yeah. The, the hunting cabin sat on only 40 acres, but it was connected to thousands of acres of county land. Um, so just big woods up there. And, um, so I would go back into this, um, county land, like a, basically a mile, uh, was kind of the furthest you could get from a road and carry a stand on my back and climb up in a tree, you know, an hour before opening day. And that's kind of how I hunted all the time. I, I started hunting mostly, on the ground, mostly sitting still. Yeah. All day. Yes. Yeah. Patience game, mentally very difficult to, to do that, but you know, it paid off. Yeah. So. Yeah. Well, one of the, obviously we were going to talk about shifting to the West, but that's, I feel like well, that's one of the big differences at least mm-hmm. that I've experienced. Yeah. Um, so I guess to back that up, how did, um, did you hunt out West here before moving here? Was that something that, how did that kind of evolution yeah. happen? Yeah. So my, my brother-in-laws, uh, had been going to Montana a few years before I first, uh, started hunting out West. So 2018, um, five years ago or so was the first time I hunted elk. Okay. Um, and it was going with my brother-in-laws who had experience. And so I was fortunate enough to like kind of climb that learning curve a little bit, experience it. And like, funny enough, like I killed my first bull elk on the fourth day of archery hunting, um, which is like unbelievable miracle. Basically. (laughs) I mean, public land too. Yeah. Public land. Uh, just myself and and my brother-in-law called him in and, and killed him at like 25 yards and, and it was like, yeah, how hard is this? Like, <laughs> that's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, and I had the Montana combo tag where you can kill a deer and a, and an elk. And actually on the second day I killed a whitetail buck, um, up at like 8,000 feet. And it, I was like, man, this is really cool. And wow. then packed it out. And then, you know, two days later killed, killed that elk. And man, I just couldn't believe, um, yeah, how much fun it was to, be active. And we were in, you know, kind of what people describe as, as a rut fest, like bulls screaming everywhere. And, uh, one other guy we were with actually missed a, missed a bull right before I shot mine. Um, and so we like, we were in multiple elk and, wow. uh, it was just incredible. You know, that the vocalization of, of a bull elk is just amazing. So I was completely hooked. Yeah. Yeah. Had that been something, obviously you said your brothers-in-law or brother, I don't know how you say that, but brother-in-laws, yeah. brothers-in-law, <laughs> they, uh, they had done it before. Um, growing up, did you have, had you thought, you know, uh, dreamed of hunting out West, mm-hmm. that kind of thing, dreamed of elk mm-hmm. or, 
mostly just like yeah, I'm focused on deer hunting in, in uh, Wisconsin. Yeah. I think, I think, uh, elk hunting to a Wisconsin hunter is like, seems like the pinnacle, uh, and, and like a natural progression and, you know, of course dreamed of it, but didn't realize like, you know, I kind of associate it with like, oh, you, you go with a guide or you pay a bunch of money. And it wasn't something that I, I figured was like attainable for mm -hmm. me. Um, and then you realize like you can go do this. Um, and this is like before like the YouTube, uh, sensation of everyone wants to go out West. Um, and it was, you know, you buy a tag and you pay for, you split gas and you could do it. And, um, so it was, yeah, something that, you know, didn't realize like I could do until, you know, a, a couple of years before we ended up doing it. So, and was Montana, was that pretty accessible then over the counter tag? Yeah. Um, at the time, you know, you could put, you had to put in for, okay. for a non-resident combo. Um, and at the time it was basically 100% success, uh, to draw that tag. Okay. Um, and now is that is not the case. They have a cap on non-residents. I think it's 17,000 and they more than, you know, sell out. So, um, it's become like a once every maybe one to three year, um, hunt. So you kind of, you did that before it was really super popular. Yeah. Um, right. Yeah. Where at Montana was that? Kind of North central Montana. Um, okay. and actually again, generationally, um, my wife's grandfather owns a cabin there. Oh, wow. Uh, he's from Wisconsin and he's been going there for probably 35 years. Um, so yeah, making it accessible was, that was a big piece of it. Yeah. It's like having a home base, kind of having a rough idea of the country. Now we hunted it differently than he did at the time, but, um, yeah, so it, it made it seem attainable because other people were doing it. Yeah. Well, she's obviously then your wife from a hunting family. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah, so, so that, that she's used to used to it, understands what it's like, yeah. the experience of being gone and and uh, dealing with uh, wild game too. Right. Yeah. She. I mean, her, she grew up on venison, and and so and understood, you know, what we do as hunters, um, and so that's that was huge for sure. Yeah. Has um now does she get involved? Does your family get involved with butchering and processing the game and all that as mm -hmm. well? Yeah, that's a big big part of what yeah we enjoy doing as a family. So you know I get an elk and bring it home and uh, everyone's helping. You know these littler kids are you know labeling bags or or doing things like that. But you know we grind you know our own meat and uh, like eating a lot of the steaks. So. Yeah. Yeah. So once 2018 got it, got your first elk mm -hmm. archery hunting, did you continue to come out West then? When did you guys move here? We moved here in tw uh, spring of 2020. Okay. Yep. So I uh, went back in 2019 and just with my schedule and things, I ended up just going during rifle season. Um, and, you know, I think, man, the third day I killed a bull. <laughs> and so I was like, I was in elk hunting. Like, this is easier than whitetail. Yeah, yeah. And it was, like, the biggest bull I've, you know, to this day I've, have shot. And um, was with my two brother-in-laws again. And, um, you know, we packed it out. And then, you know, we had three tags and worked our butt off for 
three more days and we ended up getting a double. Um, we killed uh, my brother. They both killed. Oh, wow. Um, and so we killed three bulls in like four days. That's amazing. Um, which is just like, again, a miracle. Every time you kill an elk, it feels like it's a miracle. <laughs> the way it comes together. <clears throat> so. Yeah. So you, you came back again. Um, was that, with those experiences, did that diminish your interest in hunting whitetail in Wisconsin? Yeah, I think, um, so at the time, um, I think 2016, I bought a hunting property in Wisconsin Hmm. with my dad. So, and I kind of managed it for like, you see the, the classic Midwest whitetail management, um, food plots and tree stands and kind of strategizing around minimizing pressure and it was a 110 acre chunk. So it was a decent size for Wisconsin. And, um, so that was like, that was what I did most of the time for hunting prep. And then after I killed that first elk, my, my passion shifted pretty dramatically. Um, and I was like, couldn't stop thinking about killing another elk. Um, and yeah, I would say like to this day, like elk hunting is my favorite, uh, type of hunting. And, um, and then we moved out here in 2020 and knew that's what, one of the things I wanted to do here was figure out Idaho, um, elk hunting. Did that have uh, a factor into you guys moving out here? Yeah, I think, I think it was not a, a primary driver, but it was like icing, like, and it's in, it's in Idaho. Um, in addition to the other reasons why we moved to this area, yeah, but you had some exposure to the West. You, yeah. 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 And I, I, yeah, I started to feel that pull, like even more so after being in Montana a couple of times, like towards the West, um, I wanted to be somewhere out here. Um, and you know, we, we landed in Moscow. So, yeah, you said that you're, that elk's your favorite thing to hunt. Yeah. Why, why is that? Well, I think, um, you know, I had always viewed it as kind of the, uh, a natural progression, uh, when I was in Wisconsin, like, oh yeah, I'm someday I'll hunt elk. Um, and I kind of viewed it at the time as like the ultimate challenge. Um, and they're just a big animal, like, yeah. um, you know, being a meat hunter, like that's a big driver. Like you put one of those things on the ground and your freezer is pretty good for the year. Whereas in Wisconsin, I'd shoot six, eight deer a year to make our freezer last. Um, and so I think that along with just, um, you know, you can't beat hunting a bull elk in September, um, being so vocal and, um, aggressive. So I I think the size combined with just the excitement of pursuing them in September is, is what really, what makes me think, yeah, they're they're the best. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I know when I fr- shot my first elk, um, it was rifle, so it wasn't screaming and running around or anything like mm-hmm. that, but just walking up to it. It was a spike. It wasn't even mm-hmm. a big elk. Mm-hmm. This thing like, this is the biggest thing I've ever seen yeah. in my life. Like, this <laughs> thing is huge. You know? Yeah, you when should. When you're used to deer on the ground, you're like, yeah. man, this thing is enormous. Yeah, and it, it, you're right. And and still, every elk I kill is like, wow, these things are so big. And, you know, especially when you, you're able to interact with them when they're on the hoof at, you know, 10 yards, 15 yards, like it's incredible how big they are. Um, and yeah, it's just super exciting to hunt them. 
So that first bull you killed, you said you called it into 25 yards. Yeah. Um, was that you had some experience or that your uh, brothers-in-law were uh, bow hunters as well Yeah. then? Yeah. So they had some experience calling and dealing with it. Yep. Um, did you mostly learn from them or how did you kind of figure out the whole calling thing? Yeah, I think, you know, that first hunt, like my brother-in-law was the caller um, and he, you know, it was my first time he wanted to like see if, see if we can get something for me. And so it was, it was because of, yeah, his experience that I killed that bull. Um, and, you know, definitely learned a lot on the fly. And then like after the hooks were in me, like I did my own, like I took it, um, you know, as soon as I got home, like I'm trying, I'm trying to figure out like, how can I do this on my own? Um, so what did you find some resources back in 2018? Like you said, it was a little bit before the YouTube yeah. boom anyway. Right. Yeah. There was stuff out there on YouTube still, but it was not as big as what is, what it is now. Um, so yeah, I was looking at YouTube. I was, I was reading articles, um, talking to anybody I could, um, that had done it before. Um, and yeah, I was ready to go back. Is that something you really enjoy is the calling aspect of it? I think, um, yeah, I definitely, I definitely do enjoy that. Um, and, and, you know, enjoy the pursuit with a bow. But one thing I really love about Idaho is, um, and, and really what, what drew me to bow hunt originally was not like, I didn't have a fascination or a desire to like specifically use a bow. It was like what it allowed me to do from mm. a season structure standpoint and from a, a timing standpoint. And so very much like that in Idaho, it's like, well, if you want to hunt uh, elk in September, which is during the rut and the best time to find elk, you need to use a bow. So I'm not a bow purist or <clears throat> anything like that. I, I use a rifle. I enjoy rifle hunting in, in Idaho. You can have a really, some really great opportunities with a muzzle loader. Um, and so it's just, whatever the most lethal weapon is when I can hunt is what I love to pick up. So, yeah. But like you said, there's something about that interaction with the animals in the mm. rut. That's just, mm-hmm. that's really hard to beat. Right. Yeah. Um, especially where we are here in Northern Idaho. Um, you really need to have the elk vocal. Um, you're not, um, glassing more than likely. Um, you need to have them talking to find them. And they are pretty vocal up here because of just how thick it is. Was it in Montana where where you were in Montana? Is it pretty open? Yeah, relatively. Yeah, compared to here, for sure. You're able to glass um, up yep. herds and that kind of thing. Yep. Yeah. So after getting here, was was that kind of a an eye-opener um, your first time? Was the first time hunting in Idaho 2020 when yeah. you moved here? Yeah. So when I moved, it was June um, and in Idaho, when you're coming here as a non non-resident, you have to, in order for you to buy a resident um, tag, you have to live here for six months. And so I knew I was going to hunt uh, elk my first year here. And so I bought a non-resident, basically a non-resident tag and paid the extra amount. Um, and yeah, it was a tough, tough first year, but got like a couple close calls with the bow Um I bought a, an A tag for, uh, around here. And, and so that's primarily archery focused with some other like rifle and, and muzzleloader opportunities as well. Um, and, 
yeah, kind of got my teeth kicked in a little bit, like worked my butt off pretty hard. Uh, and then the very last opportunity of the season for the tag I had was in December, there's like a, not a few days that you can hunt cow elk with a muzzleloader. And I think I killed on like the fourth or fifth day of trying to, oh, wow. trying to fill that tag. And so I, I punched my, my first, my first elk tag in Idaho with a cow elk. Yeah. Was that the first time you hunted with a muzzleloader? Uh, no, there's, there was also like a muzzleloader opportunity in Wisconsin. So I had a little bit of experience, like okay. after the nine day rifle season, there was a, a little bit of a, like a primitive season where if you didn't punch your tag, you could, you could try it. So I had a muzzleloader because of that and, but didn't really, you know, not a ton of experience, uh, with it. So that was my first, first time. Was um, there snow on the ground and there was a little bit of snow. Yep. Yep. So um, and then that time of year, um, you know, the elk are starting to come down out of the mountains. And so they're, they're a little bit more accessible in some of the foothills and starting to maybe, uh, flirt with like, uh, on, on the private land a little bit, but, um, so they're easier to find, but, um, so that was, that was, I was pretty pleased. That um, was your, that was your first experience. Yeah. Yeah. Did you get into many elk when you were in the, during the archery season? Yeah. Yeah. We, I, I did get into some elk. Um, and again, um, uh, couldn't believe how thick it was here. Um, and so a couple times I, I did get into some really good calling action with some bulls and, uh, you know, had some bulls come in, you know, even less than 30 yards and I could not see them. Yeah. Like I couldn't believe it. Like, how am I going to kill these things? I cannot, uh, see probably, you know, 10 yards. And so there's a couple of situations where I was, that was my shooting lane was like 10 yards out. So waiting for the bull to come in and just couldn't seal the deal on anything. But yeah, certainly seen enough to, to have me excited about getting that same, same tag again the next year. Yeah. Hey, let me, I got to reset this camera. Real quick. It runs out of time. Um, <clears throat> Yeah, I think one of the things that that's it's funny is there's so mu- there's so much that goes into it, right? And that's one of the things that's fun about it is it's it's so hard, mm-hmm. right? There's mm-hmm. just like all these factors that can go wrong or have to go just right to mm-hmm. make it work. Um, but I think up North Idaho, one of those is just figuring out how to be like get have that encounter and then mm-hmm. have it actually go right, like mm-hmm. be in a position where you have the shooting lane or you have that opportunity, right? I know I kept like. I, year after year, I would just get out close and then be like, I'm like, why am I hiding behind this thing that now it's like, I feel like mm-hmm. I, I don't want to be seen, mm-hmm. but now I've just created a situation where I don't have a shot. And yeah. Yeah. It was, my experience is definitely not like yours in terms of getting one four days in, mm. um, but <laughs> and I a, think it took a lot of years of yeah. trial and error. Yeah. But I think, and I think that's a important point to, you know, for somebody transitioning from whitetail hunting, uh, I, I think the, the tendency is for them to not be aggressive enough mm-hmm. and to, you know, feel like you need to sneak around in the woods. I do not sneak around in the woods. You realize pretty quickly that elk are loud animals, they're herd animals. And so if they hear a stick pop, that's normal to them. And so I, that's one thing I learned mm-hmm. hunting here in Idaho is like, you need to be aggressive and make something happen because you know, what you see on TV where the bull out comes screaming in that 
that rarely happens. And so you need to like make an opportunity for yourself and make a shot happen. Um, otherwise it's not going to happen. <laughs> yeah. 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 That's an interesting point. <clears throat> um, I think I had a lot of that as well. Um, now what about, have um, what about scent? Cause that's, yeah. I feel like that's something too, that where I don't know what your experience was, but in Michigan, like we would be so, so careful, right? Mm -hmm. Like you have your separate bag for your hunting clothes and you're washing them scent free, your shampooing scent free. And then, you know, like mm -hmm. just being so <laughs> careful with everything, but you're also sitting in a stand, so mm -hmm. you're not sweating and yeah. running around. Um, how was yeah. that shift for you coming out West? Yeah, I was the same way in Wisconsin is, um, you know, being super careful and um, I think you had the benefit in Wisconsin or, or the Midwest of, you know, controlling the situation a little bit more. So I go hunt a stand when the wind's right. Mm. Um, and you're, yeah, you are sitting there and your sense going everywhere. And so like, what can we do to minimize that impact that we're having on that pressure of the, of the deer we're hunting? Uh, whereas out here, uh, you're going to stink. <laughs> I mean, you're hiking around, September, you're sweating. It's 80 degrees. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like you realize pretty quickly, like, I'm always going to stink. Um, and so I need to hunt the wind. Um, you're not going to fool an elk. Um, and so you kind of have the benefit of being able to um, kind of go into a situation where you're approaching an elk or, or a herd where um, you kind of understand what the thermals are doing, what the prevailing wind's doing, and like you can optimize your approach based on that. But yeah, there's nothing you can do to control the fact that you are going to smell bad to an elk. Um, so that was a huge shift for me. Like now I don't wash my, I don't do anything special with my clothes. I don't hang them. I used to hang them outside and um, I just smell bad all the time. Yeah. Hunting. You yeah. just really have to pay attention to the wind. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yep. So first year was uh, a muzzleloader mm -hmm. cow. Mm -hmm. um, what did you do year two? Yeah. So you're too, um, so in, you were in, a resident then. Yep. So I'm an officially a resident. Um, I was immediately doing research on just like the structure here is completely different than I was used to. Yeah. Um, trying to figure out like elk zones and units. And there's this opportunity for a controlled hunt where there's just better opportunity, lower pressure, you know, potentially, um, you know, more trophy potential, and so I was just like digging into Idaho. I was the kind of kid who read the regulations from cover to cover when I was like 12 years old. So I was doing that, um, trying to figure out like, how can I maximize my opportunity here? And I made the decision that year, like um, as a, as a Idaho resident starting like, I think August 1st or something, you can buy a second elk tag, um, but you have to pay non-resident prices for it. And I decided I'm going to buy two elk tags this year. And, you know, I'm trying to catch up here. I started elk hunting when I'm, you know, 30 years old and I'm trying to figure this out. Um, and to me, it was like the best opportunity is like, how can I just hunt more units, hunt more tags? So it was less about, I want to get two elk on the ground more about, right. obviously you did, but right. more about right. getting different units, different, yeah. different opportunities. Yeah, I was trying to like climb the learning curve and figure it out. And um, so that so that second year I bought another A tag and then I drew a, a muzzleloader uh, opportunity kind of in uh, southern Idaho. So um, so I hunted 
hard uh, during the archery season. I got closer than I I did the year previous to killing a bull, um, but just it was not didn't go perfect. So I did not kill um, with a bow that year. Um, and with the tag I had, you, there's a, a short little window of rifle opportunity. And the opening day of that season, I killed a spike. Uh, and I was just super excited. Like my first, my first, uh, bull in Idaho. Yeah. Um, and got something on the ground and spike, uh, spikes are like the best meat on the mountain, in my opinion. Um, and so I was super happy. Um, and then was that Palouse zone? You're in this area, generally uh, speaking. Yeah, just just a little bit. Well, I was on the kind of the southern part of the the Panhandle okay. unit. Okay, so, so. A Panhandle A tag. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Um, and so I went on to hunt this muzzleloader season uh, down south, and never been there before. Um, you know, I do all my hunt, most of my hunting by myself. So um, I'm kind of like packing it out on my own, figuring it out on my own. Um, and this, this unit down South, I, I kind of heard a little bit about it, but, um, uh, just kind of went down there completely blind. Um, and when I'm, you know, going into a, a unit like that, I really try to spend a lot of time understanding, like, what does the access look like? How do I, you know, I don't even really quote scout for the elk. I'm more just like trying to figure out how do I drive around on this unit? How do I access this country? where are other people accessing this country and kind of like formulate my plan based on who I see, what I see, where the access or areas are. And, you know, this country very quickly found elk. Um, and I hunted it for a few days. I missed a big bull on the sec on the first day. Um, and then decided to come back at the end of the season, which was the end of the no November in this case. Okay. And so they had, it was a pretty long. Yeah. All, all in November. Okay. Um, and this unit is, 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 uh, doesn't get pressured with a rifle. There's no general rifle season. So, um, the bulls can get pretty big. Um, and so I went back, um, after Thanksgiving and first day I killed a bull, like <laughs> first branch antler. It was like a, you know, a smaller five point, but my first like branch antler bull in Idaho. And I was just like super excited. Like, and it was, it was two, two elk in one year, two elk in That's one year. Amazing. And yeah, my freezer was great. And, um, yeah, that, that was that season pretty much. And, and throughout this whole time, you know, I'm deer hunting, but it's like a, a afterthought, like, Oh, there's a deer. I'll go shoot it. Um, it's not like a focus. It hasn't been a focus for me, um, in Idaho yet. Um, but there's some big whitetails around here. There is, yeah. there is. I see, I see pictures. <laughs> I feel like I can't get that Midwest out of me. It's like, I still, of course, if I had the opportunity to shoot a big old bull or a big whitetail, I'd shoot the bull. Yeah. But there's something in me that's just like, and I never, I never did shoot a big whitetail mm -hmm. back home either. Mm -hmm. So it's like, I still want to get that mm -hmm. big yeah there are some of them out here it's not the cornfields of the midwest but there's some right. big ones oh yeah for sure there is so yeah. you so you uh connected on that muzzleloader hunt um and then i guess i'm we're kind of moving fast but the following year back to bow again this would have been last year 2022 yeah last year yep um so last year what i did was uh, I, I had been putting in for 
um, Wyoming, uh, I don't know, for the last three or four years. Okay. And so my two takes last year were I had the, I had the panhandle a take again, same take I've been buying every year since I moved here. And, and then I drew a Wyoming general tag. So, um, I hunted again, hard in with the bow. And then my, my brother-in-law, the same one that, you know, kind of introduced me to hunting out West. He, He came with his family to visit and he didn't have a tag, but he just came with me and kind of called and, and worked, um, worked some elk with me. And, and we ended up, uh, I killed a bull, uh, actually a pretty nice five by six bull with the bow with him, awesome. um, on like September 24th. Okay. Um, and I just really love that last week in September here. Um, I've just had really good luck and I shouldn't say this, but like nobody hunts it, that last week. Uh, and so I run into less people. Mm. Um, and I don't know, people are kind of burnt out from like, Oh, using their vacation or using up time at home or whatever. And, and I run into less people and the bulls are just really fired up that last week. I feel like that's shifted though. Honestly, even just, I haven't been hunting that long out here, but, um, when I first started archery elk hunting, it was like first week or like September 15th, Mm -hmm. like Mm -hmm. that's the peak of the rut. And that's, you know, um, and had a little bit of that experience, but even though, even then I feel like it was shifting and it seems like the last number of years, it's been shifting later and later to where, you know, you'll run into elk fired up bugling their heads off in the rifle season mm, yeah. like into October. Right. Um, so it's kind of interesting. I don't, I don't know what I, I actually had that thought. I would be interesting to talk to somebody from fish and game. I was like, I wonder if fish and game would take some of that stuff into account. Maybe it's just around here, hmm. but if it's the kind of thing that's happening more statewide, you wonder if they'd shift some of the seasons around a little right. bit. Because, I mean, if, if you're a rifle hunter and you want that opportunity, obviously it's great to have bugling elk. But when you're when you're trying to manage a statewide population, <laughs> yeah. having bugling elk running around during rifle season is uh, not necessarily a way to yeah. make sure that the herd continues on, you know? Right. Um, so, yeah, that's awesome. So you got your first archery elk. In Idaho. Yes. Yep. And then what was Wyoming like? Uh, Wyoming was, at least the area I, I went to, was was pretty incredible. Um, I It was a rifle season, so I decided to go down. Uh, it was like early October again, so like the bulls were bugling. Hmm. Um, the country was pretty open, so um, pretty quickly found elk and keyed in on them. There was a lot of hunters. Um a lot of guys on horseback, I backpacked it into an area where I knew there was elk. Um, and, but I did spend like a day driving around. I always like to do that. Just like drive around, see where the roads are, see where the people are. I picked a spot and basically said, you know, I put a couple of days worth of food on my back and said, I was going to keep hiking until I found elk. This was the day before season. And I found a herd and just camped there. And, um, and I shot a bull the next day. <laughs> so how far um, back were you? It was like four miles. And was this by yourself again? Yeah. yeah. So uh, So you gotta be putting in some work in the off season to be in good enough shape oh, yeah. to be doing that. Yeah, I think that's I, I mean, that's kind of what I use as my one of my motivators to like get my butt out of bed in the morning and work out, um, eat relatively clean and like I know it's gonna pay off you know, September, October, November when I'm packing a bull out. So 
elk hunting is a weird combination of just like super low impact hiking. And then all of a sudden you got a hundred pounds on your back. So it's like, you got to be relatively fit, but you're not just going to be running to get in shape for elk hunting. Um, you need to be strong. <laughs> yeah. Um, so. Is that, you think that's a big contributor to your success in terms of being willing to, cause I, I noticed you kept saying like, I'm, I'm not necessarily scouting for elk as much as almost like, seems like what you're saying, mm, scouting yeah. for other people. Oh yeah, for sure. So getting back where a lot of people aren't willing to go. And yeah, I think, uh, I never, nothing ever crosses my mind about this elk is too far away from the road. Like, I don't even think about that. Uh, and I think a lot of hunters do think about that. I'll be honest. I, I do. <laughs> <laughs> um, so like I, I figure that out late after the elk's on the ground and maybe I regret <laughs> where it is, but, uh, ultimately like it doesn't drive the decision to where to hunt, where to hunt. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think it's gotta be, some of that has to be the, obviously putting in that work ahead of time to be confident mm -hmm. enough to not be, you know, as I, I'll, I'll admit for sure, like there are years when I've been, I've probably never been quite in good enough shape to really mm -hmm. be elk hunting, but there's, you're like, I just know I'm not in good enough shape mm -hmm. to want to go all the way down to the bottom of that canyon yeah. to the other side right. and get something and get it all the way back out. Yeah. Um, putting in the work. And I think that's one of the things about archery. Well, all hunting makes that difference, right? Because you mentioned back home, you're planning out food plots, putting mm -hmm. up multiple stands. You're putting in the work mm -hmm. off season. Mm -hmm. It's just a different type of work. Yeah. But having that, working with you know your bow, working out, making sure you're planning, all of that, there's a lot that goes into it to make sure you're, one, prepared, and I think personally, two, confident enough. Right. Because like, that's a big part of it is just – that confidence of like, yeah. no, I can go in there and I can kill that elk. Yeah. And I know I can place the shot where I need to. I know I can call them in, right? That's right. Confidence is a big part of it. Oh, yeah. I think con confidence is huge because uh, you will decide to do things that maybe you're not even prepared to do if you're confident. So, you know, I, I would say, you know, even though I do the, the prep work off season, uh, nothing prepares you for hunting elk like, like hunting elk does. But, um, so you're always, your body's going to hurt, <laughs> mm -hmm. um, but you're confident enough to, to do it. You know, you can, um, and I'm not the fastest hiker, but I just kind of slog away and get it done. <laughs> Did, um, so this year, pretty fresh. You, I'm, I saw a picture. You had some success this year, right? Yeah, I did. And Jed's elk hunting competition or big game comp. We should give a shout out to Jed. Yes. For sure. Yeah. Um, so this year was a little bit different for me. Um, I wanted to try something uh, different than I had in the past. And so I did not buy the ATAG panhandle. Um, I, so I bought two elk. I have, I had two elk tags again this year. Okay. Um, but I went, I bought an ATAG for down South where I had muzzleloader hunted in the past. So I knew the country I knew there's elk there. It's an over-the-counter uh, archery opportunity. And then um, my oldest daughter is um, 11, and so she can hunt in Idaho. Um, and so we we got her the B tag in Panhandle. And then I said, well, if I'm going to go with her, I might as well have a tag too. So my second tag was the B tag Panhandle. Um, and that's what I killed that, that bull on the second day. Um, she came with me on the first day 
brought her into school a little bit late that morning. And then she was going to just, you know, focus on school for the rest of the week. And then I, I had keyed in on this herd that we saw with her, uh, but we weren't mobile enough to like make something happen with her there. Um, and then I went back the next day knowing that if the herd was doing the same thing, I was going to kill one. Um, and yeah, did that, that opening or that second morning, uh, killed that little bull. That's so, awesome. Yeah. Was there, did you have success in Southern Idaho then? No. So I, I went down there for four days with the bow. Um, and I was in elk every day. I was close to killing elk on like three of the days. Um, but that country is so different. It's very open. Um, there's a lot of elk, uh, but you gotta, you gotta, um, basically I would get one, one good stock a day. Uh, and I wasn't calling at all. Hmm. I was finding elk, watching them go to bed, uh, and then sneaking in on them. Um, and once in a while I would try calling a little bit as I got close, but, um, it was a blast. Like I I felt like I was hunting elk the whole time. Whereas, you know, oftentimes when you're, cause you you knew they were there. Yeah. Yeah. You were, you were just like, um, I kind of put elk hunting into two categories. You spend, and the, and the behaviors are a little bit different. One is finding elk, uh, is very different than once you found elk, now you're hunting them. Um, and so I always want to be hunting elk, not looking for elk as much as I possibly can. Mm. And down there, I felt like I was always hunting elk, Mm. um, and in elk. Um, so I don't, I don't really like hiking if I'm not, (laughs) if I'm not, uh, in elk, um, hunt hiking is fun and I enjoy it, but it's not my preference. (laughs) Yeah. Um. Yeah, I feel like that's one of those things, uh, one of the reasons why archery elk hunting, or at least hunting during the rut in mm. North Idaho mm-hmm. is so much more fun. Is because, yeah. like, you, you're, if you're doing it right, if they're vocal, you're, yeah. you know, you're into the elk, right? Yeah. Versus a little bit of my experience in the rifle season has been like, well, I'm hiking around with my rifle and yeah. maybe we'll run into some elk. I don't really know because I can't see them. Mm-hmm. You know, we can't hear them and maybe yeah. they're here, which right. is always tough. Right. Um, yeah. Yeah. How, so one of the questions we had to cover was getting your kids into hunting. So you touched on that a little bit. How did your daughter like it? Did she enjoy it? Yeah, I think, um, so like I, I started getting my kids into hunting back in Wisconsin and, and it's, I will say it's like, it's very different, um, to, to try to do that well here. Um, because I would never take my kids on a hunt. Like I really enjoy doing here, um, because of the, just the difficulty of it. Um, and so I think, you know, there's been a desire, um, to just come with me, um, by my kids and I'm not, not pushing it. Like if somebody, if one of my girls or, uh, my sons will ask, like, of course they can come. Um, but it's not something where it's like, you're going hunting, (laughs) uh, with me and I try to make it, um, you know, for, so the type of hunt I would do with my kids, um, is, you know, completely different category than I would go on, on my own. And so like the level of difficulty is much less easier walking, uh, closer to the truck. Um, and then just try to make it fun. Like, yeah, we got, we got candy, we got snacks. Um, it's kind of part of the experience. Um, and then, you know, don't plan on hunting too long. Um, and, 
you know, it's almost more about the experience than the success. Um, and then the areas where I would take my kids are kind of what I would categorize as just like generally more game, maybe, uh, maybe not that big trophy potential, but you know, we'll see deer. Give an opportunity we'll see. to see something. Yeah. And even if it's not what we're after, you know, when I took my daughter out, like we saw a, a nice bull moose um, uh, with a cow and it was really cool. And, you know, we didn't get an elk. We saw a lot of deer, like those types of things are experiences that, you know, most people don't get to have mm-hmm. um, with their kids. And so um, because it's something that I'm passionate about, like my kids are naturally just kind of interested in it. And, uh, you know, I, I view this as, as a way for me to um, kind of have the ability for me to do something with my kids, like after they're moved on, like, um, like I have two boys and four girls and I view this as a way for me to, you know, do something with my boys when they're my age, um, or when they have kids. Um, so to me, it's like a long-term play. Um, and someday Lord willing, I'll have, you know, four, uh, son-in-laws that I could hunt with. And so part of what I'm trying to do is like build this, um, inventory of like, here's where the, here's the spots, here's the, Mm. you know, I'm always thinking about like, oh, I could, I could get my son in there. Like, um, so I'm just kind of, you know, I want to, I want to pass that on to my son, like it was passed on to me. Um, so yeah, that's, that's really what I'm thinking about. Yeah. Do you think you'll do some more whitetail hunting? Like with, is seems like that's a little more accessible yeah. to youth, right? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I think, I think that's, I guess one of my lessons learned this, this, um, year is I maybe had my expectations set a little bit too high for what my daughter would, you know, be interested in doing, uh, as far as, you know, what it does take to kill an elk is actually the bar is pretty high. Um, and so I think, you know, one thing I've got coming up is, um, her and I both have a, a mule deer tag in November. Oh, cool. Um, it's a rifle, a rifle, um, you know, rut hunt, uh, for mule deer. So we're, we're planning to, uh, I'm, I'm probably going to go out by myself first and see if I can find a couple, um, opportunities where she could get in pretty easily. And, um, and so I think, yeah, you're right. I think the deer, deer hunting is much more accessible for, for kids. And, um, you know, I, I hadn't yet, uh, done any hunting on private land yet, but I think that could also present potential opportunity for, you know, accessible, uh, to kids. Yeah. Have you mule deer hunted before or will this be the first mule deer hunt? Um, last year I, I killed a mule, my first mule deer in Idaho. I'd killed one mule deer in, in Montana. Um, and so, yeah, last year I, I, I got the same tag as I got this year, um, just south of here, a couple hours. And, uh, so yeah, it's my second, second time. What do you think about mule deer hunting versus whitetail? I actually really enjoy it. Um, maybe it's cause it's different than what I'm, what I'm accustomed to, but I really like the country where they're at and it's, it's a little bit more open and, and yeah, it's just, I think it's maybe more about the places where they are that kind of are interesting to me. Um, and I do obviously enjoy where whitetails are too, but, um, 
you know, mule deer are just in, they're high up on the mountain and in big country and um, not as much in like the farm, farm country around here. Are you sitting still out and watching them? I can't sit still anymore. That's what I was going like, to ask. That's <laughs> funny because I, yeah, it's like, I tried that a couple of years ago. I was like, I'm going to go sit in my tree stand. I yeah. got one up. I was like, I'm here for like 10 minutes and I'm like, I wonder if they're over there. No. I wonder if they're over there. I can get up and move. I used to, <laughs> I used to sit for 13 hours in a deer stand and I, I cannot sit still anymore. Like I'm always wondering like what's over the next ridge. Um, and, and, you know, and sometimes to my detriment, like I cannot be patient enough in in certain scenarios, but I just, yeah, I'm always wondering what's, there's there's something I'm missing. Like if I'm sitting here so long in this country is just so big and relatively speaking, the density of animals is less than what I'm, you know, grew up hunting. Hmm. And so there's some sense that like you really maybe can't sit as much as, you know, you know, we would do in the Midwest, but yeah, definitely a shift for me. <laughs> yeah. Well, do you have any plans for next year? Um, obviously you got your mule deer hunt still this year, getting your daughter yeah. out. Um, any plans for next year with your kids? Well, I think, um, you know, one, one thing that actually, um, I'm, I'm wanting to do is, is I want my son to experience, kind of that similar culture that I experienced in Wisconsin. So um, love to get him actually back because he's um, he's eight. And so he cannot shoot uh, a big game animal in Idaho yet. You have to be 10 years old. Mm-hmm. And so in Wisconsin there um, there's, there's uh, he can, he can actually hunt himself. Oh, really? okay. um, and so, and he's been really after me to, to, to shoot something. So um, I might, be taking him back and have him kind of experience that deer, deer camp culture and, and, and maybe get him, uh, his first deer. Um, but aside from that, you know, I think one thing that I have learned, um, this year, um, is like some of the best tags are the tags that are right out, out your back door. Like, um, you know, I mentioned that going down South and, um, around Idaho, there's just so many places you could go. So it's like, I'm always wondering, I want to try something new, but there's so much benefits to having that tag, you know, 30 minutes away from your house because you can kind of optimize your time. And, you know, I've got a young family, I've got a lot of responsibilities here. And so it makes it more easier for me to be successful when I've got a tag right around here. Um, yeah, it's, and so, it's different. Yeah, for sure. You're not putting as much consecutive time in, right? But you're able to get that. And I think, especially as you're like, that's been my experience as kids get older too, and there's all these activities. Yeah, I know your daughter's playing volleyball. Yeah, and, right? Right. it's like there's yep. just it's harder to get away for longer periods of time, yeah. and it makes yeah. it's kind of a, a different shift for a time period anyway. Yeah, I think, and it, you're right with just everything going around, going on here, um, and then also like you can just really hunt when it's the best time. And so, you know, when you're, when you're archery hunting, you know, in Northern Idaho, you know, you want to be hunting when there's a, when there's a bull that's talking. And so, um, you know, for me to travel somewhere and, and, um, have to spend a day where there's no activity is, you know, it's hard for me to, you know, wait it out, you know, and not get back 
you know, get back to what I need to do here. Um, and so when I'm, when I'm close, close by, I can, I can like pick and choose like, Oh, the weather's good. Or mm-hmm. I'm going to go check these couple drainages. And if there's no hot bowl, I'm going into work or, you know, getting stuff done at home. Um, so I can kind of like optimize my, maximize my time, um, you know, at this current stage really makes a lot of sense for me. So, yeah. 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 Okay. Awesome. Well, thanks for the time. Yeah. I'm talking about it. And oh yeah. I love it always gets me this. fired up. It's like, Hey, it, it, it's good to talk about it, but getting out in the woods is what really, <laughs> what's really fun. Yeah. So I still have a, a, uh, white tail tag in my pocket. So I'm hoping to hunt the rut and see if I can't get a, a decent buck this year, but yeah, that's great. Well, thanks for having me. Yeah. Thanks, Nick. Appreciate it. Yeah. Thanks for joining us. Like, share, subscribe. We'll see you next week.